This call is now being recorded. (laughs) Welcome to Kid Missing. I'm sorry. Well, uh, that's okay. (laughs) Welcome to Kid Missing Radio. I'm your host, Angelina Wilson. Joining me is Tamara Herber, her mother, Janet Westinger. uh, Yeah, Janet. Janice Westinger was murdered. Um. On November 23rd, 1997. So that would be Thanksgiving week. Yeah, November 22nd. We found her on Um, the 23rd. Right. Now, this is in Aiken, South Carolina. Correct. She was her church pianist. Now... She went out, did she go for a walk every morning in her curlers? Was that normal no. for her? No, so she was a nurse, so she worked, um, I can't remember if it was three, I think she worked four days a week. So she she did not, she did not uh, go for a walk on the days that she worked. Ah. If this background noise is too, can you hear it? If you can, I'll go to another room. I heard someone talking. Now I don't hear anything. <laughs> okay, good. Now you probably hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me go That's to another okay. room. <laughs> Hang on. <sighs> Sorry about that. You know, it always happens when you're on the phone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, go ahead with your question. Oh, I was I was just going to ask. You were answering my question about her walking. You said she didn't walk on days she worked. No, she did not walk on days that she worked. And I I feel like she worked four days a week, but I can't. You know, it was so long ago. Um, she didn't work twelves. I think she worked maybe ten hours. So I think she worked four days a week, so she didn't walk on those days. Can't and, uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> um, so the night before, I called her. I was on my way home from the movies, and I called her to let her know that I was on my way home. This is, I think I had just gotten this bag phone. I don't know if you remember the bag phones. I don't know if you're, I'm aging myself here. But um, I had just gotten a bag phone in my car and um, probably only had it for maybe a week or two, and I called her from, what from the phone. phone? <laughs> actually, I called it a bag phone, but it was actually in the car. You could only use it in the car. Um, yes, I've seen those. Yes. So I had just, my dad had actually um, had that installed for me. And I called her from the car and told her that I was headed home. And uh, she told me that she, you know, planned on going for a walk the next morning and that she'd be <laughs> going to visit a friend of hers her best friend's mother at the hospital in Augusta the next day. Right. Um, and you came home and she I wasn't did. there. And you no, called your boyfriend? No, that's the next day. Um, so that night I came home oh. and all, you know. It sound all, like it was like 2.30 in the morning that you called. No, that was, yeah, that was the next day. So, so Friday night I came home from the from the movies and 
I don't know if she was, I mean, I didn't physically go up to her bedroom. Um, I was on the, the main level. She was on the, the second level. Oh. And um, it was probably around midnight when I got home Friday night from the movies. I don't remember the exact time. But uh, I came in and, you know, got myself ready for bed and went to bed. And it was Saturday morning that she, um, that was the morning that I got up and went to work. And uh, I had a midnight curfew. My mom wanted me home by midnight. So I was, in fact, home by midnight. And when I got home, I noticed that the house was the exact same way that I left it. The blinds were opened. Um, there were no lights on. So I went in the house and started looking for my mom, and she wasn't there. So I went downstairs and uh, called 911 and you know, let them know that I couldn't find my mom. And uh, they suggested that I go drive the the path that she walked the road and uh call him back well i didn't want to go do that at midnight or you know after midnight at this point so i called my at that point at that time cliff was my boyfriend so i called him and asked him if he would come and drive up and down the road just to see if he saw her so he did he came and he drove up and down Catherine and he didn't see her so he came back and i called 911 again and i actually have um, they dispatched Officer Die. Uh, dispatch time was 2.16 that morning. And per his report, he arrived at 2.36 a.m. and left at 3.15 a.m. So Officer Die came out, took my report, and we actually looked outside. Now, this was November. It was a little cold, not too cold because, you know, we are in the south. But um, we went outside, and I remember, you know, we had a little pump house because we lived out in the we lived out in the country. Um, the house sat on nine acres, and then there were 15 acres that um, was part of uh, what my, my mom's property. Um, and uh, so we went out to the pump. He, I remember him opening the door to the pump house, and the snake. There was a snake which scared the crap out of me. So he took my report yeah, and water, he left. Right? Pump house, yeah. Um, so he left and it must have been shortly after he left that I would have called my father. And I also called the Juanita, who was my mom's best friend at the time. And she was actually supposed to meet Juanita that day. And I called them both. So it was probably 3.30 in the morning. And uh, Juanita hadn't seen mom. And my father. She never met her that day. No, she never met her that day, and she never raised the red flag. She never made phone calls to find out what happened to my mom, uh, which, you know, if my best friend tells me they're going to show up and they don't show up, I'm going to make some phone calls and find out where my best friend is. But she uh-huh. didn't do that. She, I, I don't know. You know, I've never talked to Juanita about that. But Juanita and her husband, Ken, um, and my dad all drove from Hampton, South Carolina, which was an it's an hour and a half drive, but they didn't, you know, they, they made it much quicker. Uh, my dad knew something was wrong. So they came, and uh, I don't remember exactly what time they arrived, but I know that it was still dark out. We waited until, um, you know, sun, you know, daybreak, and uh, we all went looking. Well, Dad, Juanita, and Ken went looking for her. You know, I had been up for over 24 hours at this point. <laughs> 
So I was really tired and uh, hadn't eaten in quite a while. So I I guess I hadn't been up quite 24 hours yet. I, I got up probably – I probably wasn't quite at 24 hours. But anyway, it was a long day, long night, long morning. And uh, Cliff and I went down to McDonald's, got some biscuits for everybody and came back. Uh, I do remember stopping by the church to tell the preacher that mom wouldn't be there to play the piano because we couldn't find her. And that's when he said that he would send over the two deacons. Yep. So I go back to the house. Dad, Juanita, Ken, they had all finished walking up and down Kettering. And they had actually walked right beside the ant bed that Buddy uh, saw the footprint in. So they had walked by there, and, and Dad is very adamant that he didn't see anything. So that's what made him go into the woods. My mother thought it was yeah. a little odd that he was the only one that he was the only one that saw the, the road. Yeah. Right. Well, so so, so we we all um, eat something, and, and Buddy and Alfred hadn't made it at this point. We all ate, and um, I don't remember exactly what time Buddy and Alfred got there. You know, probably eight thirty, nine o'clock. I don't really remember. It was before. It was before. Let's see. Actually, it was. I think it was before 9.30. I think we found her around 9.30. But anyway, we, the, uh, the four of us, or five of us ate breakfast, waited on Alfred and Buddy to get there. And when they got there, Alfred, Buddy, Cliff, and I, started and we started in the opposite direction of where we found her we we left out the driveway and we took a left and Mm -hmm. we're we're not far from the stop sign that puts us on wire road so we started to the left and there's a house there which actually belonged to uh it was my uh, mom's deceased husband's grandmother's house so we we looked and she had a pretty big piece of property too and she had you know so we looked out I think she had pecan trees and stuff you know it's been a long time since I've been there but anyway we looked on the property and went there that's like we leave there and we turn to the right we pass my driveway and then we keep going mm-hmm. and we went down to the interstate bridge and on the way back Buddy was in front Cliff and I were not far behind him you know maybe 10 feet behind him, and then Alfred was behind us, and Buddy was on the left-hand side of the road. Cliff and I were on the right-hand side of the road, and I watched him walk into the woods, and kind of like he went down into, you know, like down the embankment and then into the woods, and by the time I made it to the entrance of the woods, he was coming out, and the book on his face was all I needed to know that what he found wasn't good. Um, I never went into the woods. I stayed out um, on the road and uh, went back and got my dad and I called my mom. And then I think Alfred took my dad. My dad did physically see my mother in the woods. She was on the road, maybe 10 feet, 20 feet. I don't know. I never went in there. But my dad described it as being, you know, her basically lying in a very big briar patch. Not like regular briars, but, you know, briars you find out in the woods, really thick briar patch. And um, she was unclothed from the waist down. Uh, she was laying on her stomach. 
And uh, yeah, I don't know that we have briars up here. I don't know that we have briars up here. Um, I spend a lot yeah, of time have, in the woods. Have to Google but, it. Yeah, you'll have um, to Google it. Yeah, I grew up right next to a big woods, and we have a state forest in our town. So, yeah, this is pretty rural. But our yeah. street is not. Our street is one of the main roads. If you okay. were taking a walk on our street, unless somebody dragged you up behind my house into the woods, you know. Yeah. Somebody's bound so to hear you. But it, yeah. yeah, it doesn't sound like anybody would have heard her scream because of the distance between properties. Well, that's not necessarily true because um, it was hunting property. There was there was hunting property along this area. Oh. And I was told by, I know both Alfred and Buddy both hunted not only on the property she was found on, but a piece of property across from our house. Oh, Really? So, yeah. Um, now, it, it, it begs the question, as I'm reading, why on earth did the police consistently refuse to send the DNA out? That is the first <laughs> time I have I ever I heard that. that. I wish I could answer that. I just it blew my mind. I yeah. it does not com- so, compute at all. The so officer Officer Kane, who is now mm-hmm. retired, and I got into a very big argument over that. And mm. Officer Kane has actually Chuck Kane has lied to me on numerous occasions. Um, when I met with Chuck Kane in two thousand eight. Uh, he was, you know, he told me that my mother had figure eights cut all over her body, which is not true. I actually have the autopsy. Um, she had what all over her body? He said that it looked like she took a, they took a two and a half inch blade and cut figure eights all over her body. And I can assure you that is not true because, like I said, I, I have the autopsy. Um, oh, what a terrible so thing to have to look at. Yeah. Right, but, but he lied to me, and I could never, you know, it wasn't until 2013 when I actually reached out to the original investigator, uh, Investigator Kangas, who is now with, um, he's now moved to a different state. He's no longer in the South. And he was like, no, that's not true <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, that's not that's not true at all. So Chuck Kane and I kind of butted heads quite a bit, and... <laughs> He, um, he he refused to send off any any DNA. He said, you know, we've got one club left, and I don't want to I don't want to waste it. And we we argued quite a few times about that. And yeah, know, and not putting really it in code because yeah, they only no, he went never, for the for the Y DNA. They only went for the well, Y. Every male uh, in the family, right? But every male in the family is going to match it. Every male in the killer's family is going to match it. That's not real helpful. Well, and based on CODIS, you can enter Y strand DNA. Because we actually pulled the, yeah, we actually pulled it. I I haven't looked at it in a while, but um, I actually have it here. I just haven't read it in a while. I don't read, I don't read this consistently because it's just too much. You know, I've been dealing with this for 24 years. Yeah. Um, by the way, this was in 1997, and you were 20, right? 
Yes, I was 20 in, in 97. Okay, well, you were just saying that you thought I was too young for something. I'm three years older than you. <laughs> oh, you remember back then. Maybe. I indeed do. <laughs> you indeed do, okay. <laughs> Most of our listeners may not know what bag phones are, but, yeah, so I, I did. I had that phone put in about two weeks before my mom died. It was uh Yeah, I knew a gentleman that had one. Yeah, I knew a gentleman that had one in the 80s. He had a, a fancy convertible, and he had one in it. Well, you know, I referred to the bag phone, but it was actually mounted in my car, so there was no way I could take yeah. it out of the car. But I actually right. refer to it as a bag phone. That's kind of what we called yeah. it back then. Yeah. Um, and also, our listeners should know, in case you're wondering about the distance between there and Augusta, Georgia, it was only just a skosh over 30 minutes. So yeah, not it was, wasn't that far, like 33 no. minutes, 19 yeah, miles. Of the, we call it the CSRA, the Central Savannah River area, I believe is the correct terminology. Oh. And it's all um, it's all right there. As a matter of fact, North Augusta is in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So it's North Augusta, Augusta, Aiken, yeah. it's all right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that there was a, a, a short distance there before I started. Because <laughs> I'm a wrestling fan. One of my favorite oh. wrestlers is from Gainesville, Georgia, and went oh, to college okay. in South Carolina, which was only an hour away for him. So I knew that that border mm-hmm. about where that border was. So without looking I'm at currently, it, currently <laughs> live close to Gainesville. Well, yeah, Gainesville, Florida. He lives in. Oh, you live near Gainesville, Georgia. Yeah. Oh. Cool. I have a cousin there too, actually. Okay. So you're in North Georgia. I'm in Northeast Georgia, yes. Yeah. I'm northeast of Atlanta. Yes, that's where Gainesville is. <laughs> northeast <laughs> of Atlanta. Small world. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, also, I don't know, but I got the impression that police seem to think it was a local person. Um, and could she have known her killer? Because I'm wondering so. if this area is so remote that people wouldn't necessarily go there to look for a victim if they're not familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be familiar I mean, with the area. This isn't something, even though I mentioned the interstate bridge, um, yeah. I don't know... Yeah, you, you wouldn't just know this area was there. Um, if you drive down the road now, there's quite a few more houses than back in 1997. And it looks like it. Yeah. Because I actually walked it on Google Maps. <laughs> but I kept ending up on Wire Street. <laughs> Wire Road? <laughs> Wire yeah. Road is the, main, is the main road. And there, there was actually a house <laughs> built where my mother was actually found. Um, oh, geez, really? Yeah. So it, it looks different to me now than it did in 97, not only because of the fact that there's a house there, but in 97, it, it's kind of like I remember it being where you went down and then back up into the woods. And I actually yep. did look at the crime scene photos, and there was a pedestal. I used to work for AT&T, so I know my pedestals. And the particular pedestal that I saw on the crime, you know, the path leading into it, is right where that property has now been built. 
So, um, so one of those electrical, big electrical box things. No, it's not big. It's kind of small. Um, oh, it's it's an old pedestal. It's AT. It's phone. It's AT and T pedestal, and it's kind of oh. bent in or, or kind of turned in. It's not sitting straight on, and that's exactly oh. how it looked in 1997. Wow! So I can actually I if the go to the area. The house on the crime scene know what they built their house on. <laughs> well, he does now because I actually talked to the owner a couple, of, you know, maybe a year or two ago, and. Um, Did that creep him out just a wee bit? <laughs> no, not really. It was nice. He's a nice guy, and um, it didn't really creep. No, it didn't. I don't think. <laughs> his, house, <laughs> his house sits way off of it, though, and um, yeah. You know, um, now, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just no, going to ask ahead. you about the African American man in the green truck. Somebody reported that. So there have been several things reported. Uh, that's one of them. But one of the the ladies that actually lives in that area, she's the mm-hmm. one that I'm more interested in, her tip. So she actually did see a white guy coming out of the woods on that day. And she's in her 90s now. And uh, the fact that she still remembered that just was, was mind, you know, mind-boggling, especially the fact that she Maybe somebody her. should show her some pictures. Mid-90s. So the police never interviewed her. Never. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> no. Um, Lexi, uh-huh. Lexi has been helping me with the case. She's actually reached out to me in 20, last year. Uh, now, and we, we met. So we met in her March. Page, but who is she? Uh, she's just a young girl. Well, I'll say young. She's twenty twenty. I guess she's 21 at this point. But she was 20 at the time, and she reached out to me. She had, um, you know, Googled unsolved cases in the Aiken County area and decided that she wanted to work on mom's case. So she called me up one day, and or she messaged me and said, you know, do you mind if I meet with you? And I said, I don't mind, but you're going to have to drive to me. I was in school at yeah. the time, and um, I just I, I didn't have time to drive to Aiken. So her and her mother actually drove to my home. We sat here for a couple hours, and, That's you know, at neat. first I was kind of skeptical, and I didn't want to just pull out my three-ring binder yeah. here. But after talking with her and seeing that she came with a three-ring binder and she had done a lot of legwork, she had, you know, she had gone as far as she could mm-hmm. on her own. And, uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot in newspaper archives, believe me. I tried. <laughs> no, there's not. But I, I showed her emails. And, you know, basically what I sent you, I have an email. Yeah. What I sent you was... I like it the was, timeline you sent me. Well, and it's it's all... I have all those emails, <laughs> so that's all. Yeah. Um, I just kind of copied and pasted from those emails and put it all in, in one timeline. And that was when I was trying to find a podcaster. So I was sending that, you know, that was kind of my, that was, that wasn't the email I sent to podcasters initially. The first one was more of kind of, you know, this is what I would like to have done. And uh, if anybody reached out to me, then I would send them the timeline. So the yeah, timeline no, is perfect. all the, you know, it's all the pertinent information and mm-hmm. all the legwork I've done, everything that I've done to try to get, get this case moving forward instead of, you know, collecting dust. 
So like yeah. meet with me and she she's done quite a lot of work and she's actually the one who reached out to the tipster, the I think she's ninety three, ninety four now. But she's the one that wow. reached out to the elderly lady and she actually re- talked to her and, and um the eyewitness said that a possible eyewitness said that police never called her back. Wow. Now so she have made a, a friggin' sketch. Or they should have drove out there and met with her. I mean, yeah, she saw a man coming out of the woods on the morning my mother was murdered. And you don't go out there and and interview them. Uh, the other problem well, could it be all, when you guys were searching, or was it before that? So when we were searching, it wasn't just one person, and there wasn't a car parked on the side of the road. She actually oh, okay. saw a man coming out of the woods, and there was a car parked on the side of the road. So when we were searching okay. for her, we were all on foot. There was never a point where there was a vehicle parked on the side of the road. And when the authorities showed up, they there were quite a lot of them. <laughs> we had the yeah. sheriff's department. Um, SLED came out, which is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. We had right. ambulance. So it was it was quite a few vehicles at that point. So there was there would have been no, and I think there was an ambulance there too. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, as I was reading your timeline and reading the articles, it was like a cartoon. I swear my face got redder and redder and more and more smoke came out of mm-hmm. my ears until the top of my head blew off. Because there's yeah. so many opportunities for forensic mm-hmm. evidence in this case. I remember yep. your father saying there was a bloody fingerprint on the back of her blouse. Her other clothes were folded neatly off to the side. Touch DNA. Fingerprints. Was there, were there fingerprints yeah. on her glasses? Were, were there fingerprints on the... And this is something else, folks. A key had disappeared to the house. And all of a sudden, they're walking back in the house. Someone looks down, and it's in the potted plant. Yep. Her glasses were missing, too. So they didn't find her glasses until a week later. And I don't have the exact date because um, mm. Kanga gave me the form. It was actually not on here. But I can tell you it was December. I think it was December 4th was the day they actually went back and found the glasses. But... When Candace brought me this, the contents, um, so she had uh, two white wedding bands that she was actually wearing when she died. Um, when they brought those to me, I looked at the form of the contents that were on her body, and I said, I looked at Candace and I said, where are her glasses? And he said, what glasses? So the glasses that she was wearing when she was murdered. So she died on the 22nd of November on the 4th of December, they went back and found her glasses. And then yeah, I that went, makes me... Yeah. No, I was going to say, that like, made me wonder if somebody whacked her in the face and knocked them off and they flew a few feet away. So I actually saw the crime scene photos, and I can I can tell you that her clothing was not neatly folded and it was scattered. But, you know, you're there to work a crime scene mm-hmm. and you miss her glasses. Yeah, you're supposed to circle several feet out from the actual victim, aren't you? I mean, right. Well, her shoes were away from her. Her jogging pants were away from her. Um, her underwear. That nothing was close to her. It was. Yeah. And based on the coroner's report, which I've had the whole time, it actually states that let me find it um 
actually states that, uh, here it is, um, an obvious area of struggle which presented itself in a horseshoe-shaped pattern. Uh, it appeared the Westerner oh. engaged in a struggle with an attacker moving towards the left from where they entered into an area of heavy growth. As the struggle mm-hmm. ensued, they worked themselves back along the same path that continued towards the right from the original point of entrance. Along this route, uh, Nixon, Nixon is my mother's maiden name, uh, Nixon's jogging pants, inside out, panties, shoes, and hair rollers were found. And then it goes on. But um, So there was yeah. an actual struggle. You know, my, my mother fought for her life. You know, a lot of people mentioned as I was researching this that they thought it was odd that she was out in her curlers. Some people said, if you jog in those, that'll hurt. Well, I heard she was walking. But yeah, she was jogging. She, my mom didn't jog. She was walking. The whether or not she actually went for a walk, we will never know. Um, could she have gone for a walk? Yes. Could she have been or abducted from, been the house? Taken from the house? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there was no sign of struggle inside the house. No, there was no struggle inside the house. The only thing that I noticed was her tube of. Vaseline was on the the banister outside on the railing, and my father noticed that on the opposite end of the house there was an area where it had been recently raked. But no, there was no sign of struggle from the house, and you can't see the house from the road. Well, you can now, recently but in 1997, raked. yeah, ni- yeah, recently yeah. raked. And Dad said her tools were also out. <coughs> Now, my mom didn't leave her leave her wheelbarrow and tools out, so um it makes me wonder if she was in the middle of yard work when somebody accosted her. You know, my mom loved to be outdoors, loved it, and she had a little pond with a little you know with i mean I said little, but it was outside it wasn't you know it was. One of your your yard ponds, a little tiny thing. It wasn't deep or anything. Yeah, it had fish in it. Um, mm-hmm. she had her flowers, and you know she could have been sitting out there and just enjoying the morning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I can see my well when my mother was healthy. She uses a wheelchair and a walker now, but she always grew flowers, and she, you know, we grew vegetables mm-hmm. at one point. But she always grew flowers, and so I can definitely see my mother out deadheading her flowers and doing whatever, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So, I, I, you know, my my memories aren't. I mean, it was 24 years ago. My memories yeah. aren't perfect by no means. Yeah, and I I feel like. Her intention was to go for a walk that morning. Um, I'm probably one of the few people in my family that, that, that think that that is what happened. Yeah. Um, the, you know, and they made it sound like your dad still cared greatly about your mom. The way oh, he got absolutely. down on one knee and almost said goodbye. You know, it just seems oh, my to dad, me like... My dad loved my mother. He still loves my mother. He He still regrets... Um, how that all played out as far as their divorce goes. You know, we all yeah. make mistakes, and my yeah, father made a mistake. Course. My mother made a mistake. 
they both made mistakes and um mm-hmm. now I wanna before I go back to the DNA, I just wanna mention that Lexi actually made a GoFundMe to mm-hmm. help you put up billboards. And yes. leads a lead was actually generated from that um and I don't have the date, but it was actually a lead generated from that. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us about that? Lexi would be better able, capable of telling you about that. Um, oh, I can okay. tell you that Lexi, yeah, I don't, there, there's been quite a few leads. Um, mm-hmm. And Lexi took, you know, she doesn't, she didn't go into all of the details of the leads. The only one that I was really concerned about was the one that the, um, the, the elderly woman, because I think that that's, yeah. I think the lead that you're referring to, I'm not sure about that one, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I know that Lexi took all of that information to the Sheriff's Department, and the Sheriff's Department, I'm not sure if they followed through on any of them, but they didn't yeah. want to meet with her. They didn't want to have anything to do with Lexi, and yeah, you know, it makes you wonder some, if maybe they know who did it and he's someone prominent, so they don't want to. You know what I mean? So there was actually it's a doctor. I guess there was actually there was actually a doctor. Uh, he's he's still alive. Uh, that my mom that was that was looked at. Okay, and this particular doctor didn't really want to be forthcoming with any information. And when I spoke to the SLED, the SLED officer about it back in, I guess, 19, 20? Yeah. Maybe 20? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't have the It's okay. It's but okay. I talked to the SLED, the SLED officer. I asked him, I said, mm-hmm. so, you know, can you go get this guy's DNA? And he said, "No, I can't just go get his DNA." I said, "Well, why can't you? You know, you're the you're the you're the police. Why can't you just go collect his DNA?" And they said, "Well, it doesn't work that way." Which I mean, come on. Well, I've listened to enough podcasts to know that you can go collect somebody's trash. Yeah, really. I mean, you watch him for a while. He throws away a snot rag. You put on a glove, pick it up, and throw it in a baggie. <laughs> exactly. Mean, There's nothing illegal hard. about that. Or you go to, no. you know, you, you throw anything, you know, you watch somebody, they throw a cup in the public trash. You know, you can go gather that. And yeah. he told me that they couldn't do surveillance on him, which I was like, you know what, fine, I'm not going to argue with you. But I found out okay. from another reliable source that this particular doctor was uh, did SWAT training with the, with the sheriff's department. Lovely. And so he so was, this is the doctor she worked with? This is a doctor that she worked with. He was um, at Aiken Regional, and he and my mother apparently had some sort of confrontation at the hospital, and I don't know the details of it. I just know that it was witnessed, and it it was not a good situation. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they took your father's DNA. I mean, he lived an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. Not a suspect, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they took it anyway. No, but um, he had he was at work, so they actually yeah. had his his records to indicate that he was at work. No, they didn't. They didn't DNA swap. They didn't DNA swap hardly anybody. 
Um, really? They did DNA swab so my husband. And um, oh, you had already I know been that, married. No, I married in 2000. I married three years after oh. this. But it was uh, oh, I married, married the same Cliff. guy I was dating. I did. Oh. I married Cliff. Mm-hmm. And then we divorced. But uh, Cliff was swabbed, and he's been completely eliminated. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know who else was swabbed because they don't give me the, that information. I yeah. do know that her fingernails were sent off to, to the FBI and nothing, which is really surprising. Okay, because that was the next thing I was going to ask you about, was that her fingernails had stuff under them, you know, tissue under them. Don't they usually clip them, you know, clean under them and then clip them and bag them for evidence? I mean, yes, they were bagged. They were bagged. And um, it actually states in the coroner's report that there was an area, there was an area of struggle. So you know that she fought. Now, unless yeah. he's completely covered in clothing from head to toe, you would think it's got to be scratched. Right, exactly. So I don't, you know, they they have stated that the fingernails did go to the FBI lab and that they came back with nothing. Yeah. Well, so the only DNA they have is what they collected from her vagina, and they won't oh. even put the word rape on it. So they won't actively come out and say that my mother was raped. They'll just say, you know, I had to physically ask, was the DNA you found in her vagina? And they said, yes. I said, well, then my mother was raped because my mother wasn't having any sexual relationships at that time. Now, Lexi and I disagree on that. Yeah, Lexi and I disagree on that. Lexi thinks that she was in a relationship. But um, Terry's daughter, who was very close to to my mom, and... I lived with my mother, and there was never a man at the house. There was one time when my mom came. My mom asked me, she said, Tamara, have you had any guys in the house? And I said, no, I haven't had any guys in the house, which I was telling the truth. And she said, uh, I just came home from work one night, and there was a smell, like a, a man smell. So, you know, my mom was scared, and she was doing things. Uh, she had had floodlights set up. She had those in 95, 96. Did you um, report this to the police? At the time, no, because mom was still alive. No, no, I mean, I mean after she died. Did you tell them your mother had come mm-hmm. home and there seemed to have been someone in the house? Mm, I don't know. I think I did. But I don't remember how close it was her being murdered that we had this conversation. Oh. Okay. Because there were several things that led up to being suspicious. My mom um, had purchased these things that you put on the inside of the door, so like the front door or the back door. And if they're jiggled, it made it would make this very loud noise, which it did one morning. Uh, mm. mom, mom was upstairs. I, I was – I probably – it was very early in the morning. I was probably still asleep, and it woke me up. But I remember we both met at the front door and just kind of looked at each other because it was going off, and we had to actually go physically turn it off. So my mom had been taking, you know, she had been, she was scared. Whatever yeah. was going on, and that's only what she told me, like the, the smell in the house and, the, of course, the alarm going off. And then the key, the missing key, she did come to me one day and ask if I had the, the spare key. And I said, no, I've got a key on my keychain. Why would I have the spare key? <laughs> you know? 
Uh, mm. Keep in mind, I was 20. I was probably a little smart-ass about it. But I was like, no, yeah. I, I have my own key. I, I don't need the spare key. Um, and, you know, back in 1997, we didn't have key fobs. So you had to physically have your keys to, lock, you know, to unlock your car door. And, right. you know, you always had your keys because if you didn't have your keys, you couldn't get in your car and you couldn't get in your house. So right. Exactly. Today you don't even you know? need a, car to, a key to start your car. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't even need a key to get in your house. He's just punching a toe. So, yeah, you know, well, I, I live in an apartment. I still need a key to get in, but yeah, everybody I know has a button in their car. They just their their key fob is close to it, and they press the button. Okay, I don't have that new vehicle yet, but um, <laughs> I think I can remote start my truck. Yeah. Which my yeah. mom, my mom would absolutely love having that remote start and that heated steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> or heated seat. Um, you know, I often think about yeah. the things that, that she, what she would think about these, you know, our new technology. Yeah. Um, yep. My yeah. father's last car didn't have as many bells and whistles as a lot of them. It was a, it was a 12. But. Okay. It still had too many bells and whistles for him. For him. He was in yeah. his 70s. Oh, so yeah. I was like, I don't want all these bells and whistles. <laughs> oh, I love I don't my bells know what whistles. they do. And the dealership said, you don't have a choice, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> I know. That's you, the way they come. <laughs> you can still get that flip phone, but you can't get the car without the bells and the whistles. <laughs> and he had that, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad has an uh, iPhone. He's still trying to figure out how to use it. Oh, boy. I bet. <laughs> Finally upgraded my mother from a flip phone to a smartphone when when my father was dying. So, oh, he died in my father. Okay, my father-in-law has a had a he had a flip phone that he got an iPhone. But I think I, if my memory serves me correctly, he wanted he either went back to a flip phone or wants to go back to a flip phone. I'm like, why? But <laughs> you know, he he's eighty eighty one. Oh my goodness, that's um, funny. Yeah. I actually have an iPhone. Got a good deal on it. Of course, it's a six, but hey, it's an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, a six. That's mm. like the Stone Age now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a success. <laughs> yeah. Well, that could be why I got it for $95. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> now, I is there still... about that. No, not at all. Is there so it says, a reward? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it, it actually says on the coroner's report. So the coroner's report is different than the autopsy. The coroner's report is an actual write-up from. Um, oh, I thought that was the autopsy report. No, it's it's a completely different document. But it actually says oh. on the coroner's report. And I just noticed this that it says that she was found at 9 a.m. on the 23rd. And that she was pronounced dead at 12.15 on the 23rd. So, this says that she was found at 9. So, I guess um, we started looking for her before 9.30. So, what, did they have any idea of time of death? Like, when she was killed? Okay, so time of death is going to be around the time they found her. So, they'll take the time that... They they were there, and they'll back it up 24 hours, and that's the way it was explained to me because they don't have um, oh. the time of death. So they put an estimated time of death 
as 10 a.m. Okay. So they're saying 10 a.m. on the 22nd is when she, approximately when she would have been murdered. Okay. Yeah, because her liver temp would be too low at that point to figure out. Yes, because she had been in the woods for 24 hours. Yeah, she had been in the woods for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, here, if you were in the woods for 24 hours at the end of November, you'd be a popsicle. But Oh, I bet. <laughs> well, here, Massachusetts. So, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I actually, want to, I actually want to visit Massachusetts. That's on, my, that's on my list of places to visit. But here in November. I would recommend um, the fall yeah. because it is gorgeous in the fall. Oh, I know. If I get time off in October, we may come. But <laughs> there have been, there have been, I can vividly remember Christmas days where I wore shorts because it was 80 degrees. Christmas day. So <laughs> I do, I do remember wearing a sweatshirt and long pants on this particular day, but I don't remember it being really cold. Yeah. We occasionally, we have really weird weather here. So one year, a couple of years ago, it was Thanksgiving, and we had had we had virtually no winter that year, and it was Thanksgiving, and we were out in short sleeve shirts. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. Crap. I believe it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm going to ignore the beep. I don't know who it is, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. Hold on. There. I think I ended it. I'm not sure. Okay. Sorry about the beep. That's okay. I didn't hear it at all. Oh, okay. That's good. Then maybe it didn't get recorded. <laughs> so, um, is there still a reward in this case? Um, no. Okay. Not to my knowledge. Okay. Um, your mother sounds like just a lovely person. She was. She was a wonderful woman. She she loved uh, being a part of the church. That was that was a big a big deal for mm-hmm. her. You know, she was born and raised in church. Um, she'd been playing church piano since she was you know a teenager. And her dream was to be a nurse. So she naturally wanted to help people and do what she could for people. Yep. And she did that. You know, she, she took care of people. She, um, I remember the, these two little girls that went to church with us. And one of the little girls wanted, wanted to go home with mom after church one day. And I remember mom taking her <laughs> home. And, of course, you know, I'm 20. So this little girl was, you know, questioning everything, like, what is that? What are we doing? I mean, it was questions, and that, that's all I remember of this little girl. Of course, this little girl is no longer little anymore. She's, you know, a mom herself. But Oh, wow. Yeah, but you know, she took this, you know, seven, eight, nine-year-old. I don't remember exactly how old the little girl was at the time, but she took her home, and you know, they, play, you know, they did things Aww. in the yard with mom's flowers, and, you know, I don't know what else yep. they did, and then she took her back to church that night. But that's just the type of person Aww. she was. She, you know, she loved sewing. She loved um, being in the yard. She loved. She, she had a very small circle of friends, which yeah, um, I'm kind of the same way. Of, I don't. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of the same you know, way. I don't have. Go yeah. Ahead. The, I was just going to say, the more you talk about her, the more she reminds me of my mother. I mean, my mother always had every kid in the neighborhood to the point where her her doctor said to her, how many kids do you have? She only <laughs> has one. Her her yeah. best friend, who's still her best friend 40 years later, her husband said, I've only got 10 kids. No, she's only got one. She just has all her nieces and nephews and all the neighbor kids. And she got us all ready for school. Made sure all our teeth were brushed. Faces were washed. Hairs were combed. That we had had our breakfast. She did it for all of us. Yeah, well. She made every little girl in the neighborhood, she crocheted every little girl in the neighborhood a Cabbage Patch kid. She would buy the Cabbage Patch heads and she crocheted every little girl in the neighborhood. Oh, wow. That's just what she did. Yeah, that's. You know? And she was a nurse's aide. Yeah, okay. She was a nurse's aide. Imagine that. So. Yeah. So, so um, for me, I'm listening no, to you, and I want to cry because it just reminds me of when I was a kid. You know. Yeah. Uh, My mom was. She was very special to me. I, I loved her dearly, and I wish that I could share, you know, my children with her. She's she's got. Um, yeah. Well, she had a total of five grandchildren, but uh, my brother's son actually died a couple of years ago. He had a congenital heart defect. Uh, I wish that, you know, she could have met my, my children and my, my brother's kids and, you know, been a part of our lives. You know, I was yeah. 20 when she died. My brother was 24. Um, I'm now 44. My brother's about to be 48. <laughs> and uh, we have lived longer without our mother than we lived with her. Yeah, that's such a shame. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to be 47 Wednesday. <laughs> oh, well, happy birthday. Um, so... But I, I couldn't imagine living half my life without her. I would, wouldn't know what to do, you know. I, I know, I know. That's kind of how I feel, and it's hard. Uh, you, you, you learn to, you learn to just do it. You know, you don't have any other yeah. options. Either do it or don't. And well, not doing it's not an option. So I live, and I, I remember her as often. You know, I, I, there's not a, a day that goes by that I don't think about my mother. No, and you um, my, keep my, her you keep her alive to your kids. Oh, absolutely. You know, As a matter parents, of fact, I always, always refer to my, my grandmother. Right. Yep. Oh, you refer so. to her in the present tense. Oh no, no, I don't do that. No, I. I oh, I, that's I always, what you were gonna say. Because we do no, that with my father say. still, and it's been almost five years. <laughs> no, I always refer to her as you know my mother, and my daughter was yeah. like, you know what, my my daughter would refer to her as mom's mom and she's like you know what i'm gonna start calling her grandma jay and Aww. you know because you know she never you know she was never given a grandma title because you know she didn't have grandchildren when she died so yeah, i wasn't able to have children so oh gosh i'm sorry to hear that yeah my parents have been very good about it but from the time i can remember my father would talk because i was the only child would talk about taking his grandson fishing after he retired and stuff but never mm-hmm. really got to retire, so. <laughs> right. But that was his dream, was to have a yeah. grandson he could take fishing. It took me fishing. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Not what so. he wanted, but what he got. Yep. <laughs> so. so. What other questions do you have? 
I just wanted to I, I I love talking about who the person is and I love that you just shared that with me because that's just wonderful even if it made me want to cry because it reminded me so much of my own mother. I do this, you know, because I want part of what I want is for the people to be known as the people that they were before their lives came to a tragic abrupt end. Because mm-hmm. you know, there's a saying. There's on on your tombstone there's your year of birth, there's a dash, and there's your year of death. What you did in that dash is what matters. And Ooh, I like that's that. what I, I I like people to know what these victims did in that dash. And and you just put it so eloquently what your mother was like in the story of the little girl and you know, and I wanna thank you for that. And and I wanna thank Lexi because She's amazing. I don't even know Lexi her. Is amazing. Amazing. Lexi is amazing. So. She she has worked tirelessly to help me. And it's unfortunate that we're being stonewalled by the police department. And I've actually yeah. threatened to uh, contact my state representatives concerning their lack of investigation, which is exactly what it is. And, yeah. you know, the thing is, is this isn't easy for me. Um no, you know, and, and, and Lexi, Lexi and I actually had this conversation a while back. This isn't something that you can do every single day. You have to no. work on it a little bit, and then you have to take a break. Because you can't, because it's too much. It's too yeah. much when you have a police department that refuses to help you, or yeah. refuses to do anything to solve a case. And that's her job. You know, we, they chose that job. I chose to be a nurse because I want to help people. You know, I want to do oh, everything I nurse. can to help. I am a nurse. I, I thought maybe you you would follow your mother. I was going to ask you I about did. that. I did. So I chose my job, and I choose where I work. I'm a bedside nurse because I love people. I love helping people. I love Now, what does people. that mean? What does that mean to help people? No, bedside nurse. Oh, bedside nurse. Um, I, I work in a hospital. Oh. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a bedside nurse in a hospital. And, you know, I I go in every morning. I meet my patients. I have five patients. And I take care of them. I take care of every need that I, that's within my scope of practice, which is exactly what my mother did. As a police officer, you choose to be a police officer to protect your community, people in your community. And you have a sheriff, an investigator, two investigators actually, that are currently assigned to my mother, and you have flood agents, and you have, I don't know how many other people that are just ignoring my mother. And she's not the only yeah. cold case in Aiken County. There are plenty of cold cases in Aiken County. And they're doing nothing for these families. They're doing nothing for their, these victims of violence. Can you get the state police maybe to step in? Oh, FLED, absolutely. FLED is on the case. It's our state law enforcement division, and they are doing nothing. Oh, that's your state police. Okay. That's our state police, yes. They're doing nothing. I'm not trying to get the FBI involved, and the sheriff's department won't help me. The sheriff's department won't do anything. 
I tried to get some of these crime shows on TV to, to help out. Without police um, involvement, they can't do anything. So yeah. you have, you know, you have to, I have a situation where I have no help. And unless yeah, I, well, I told my mother that. I said, the police didn't even want to go to America's Most Wanted when America's Most Wanted no. wanted to take the case. And she just looked at me and said, why? Yeah, no, <laughs> they didn't want to. And what, is that, what, what would that what would that tell you? That would tell you that they know they possibly know who did it, or that's what I said earlier. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there was a convention going on right around the on Minor Road. I don't know how far it was from the house, not very far. And there were several hundred people there at this particular convention. At the time, in 1997, the police department wouldn't even pay to allow the investigator to fly to the states that these people lived in to investigate them. He had to do all of the. Uh, he had to interview each one of these individuals oh over the phone. Yeah. So from day one, from day one, they just didn't do their I, job. Yeah, it's a good thing that your mother has you as an advocate because you sound like as much of a pit bull as I am when it comes to my parents. So I am, but there's only so much <laughs> I can do as a civilian. There's only so much That's that right. I can do. Which is the problem. And until I have the funds available or can find an attorney that's willing to take on Aiken County, then yeah. there's nothing that can be done. And I, I did you yeah. I or, do or I do intend to just no, the information. You know? Well and I do intend at some point to reach out to state representatives. I just, I've got too much on my plate right now. I'm back in school. I just need to get through this before I go any further with it. Yeah. Reach out to who? My state, or South Carolina state representatives. Yeah. That's the only other option I know that I have other than hiring an attorney. Um, But it costs money and, well, I have three teenagers. Yeah. So yeah, can you say college? Exactly. So anyway, that's kind of where we stand right now. Um. Well, I can promise my listeners I will keep them up to date if anything happens. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to appreciate that and. And getting the word out is on the show. It will definitely help. Yes. I will be sure as soon as I upload it, after we're off here, I will send you the link and I will post the link everywhere. That's and perfect. tomorrow, Headliner will turn it into a video. They'll email it to me and I will upload that to my YouTube tomorrow and I'll send you that link. Okay. So, well, I appreciate you doing this. It means a lot to me. You know, that means more to me than anything, that it that it means something to the families that I work with. That, that's the most important thing. Getting listeners listening to it or viewers' eyes on it when I do my videos, is, that's, you know, that's the most important thing. Well, I had someone tell me many years ago that the only way this case was going to be solved is if it was, in the public eye. 
And I still feel like, you know, cases are solved. Cold cases are solved mm-hmm. because of the public. Um, the That's person right. who did this is still out there. He's still alive. He's still out there. We do know it was a male. That's all we know. And right. there's no perfect crime. There's no way this individual did this to my mother and didn't tell someone about it, didn't gloat about it, didn't do right. it again. I mean, no, it seems like you about. if you rape and stab someone 14 times, you probably, you know. Yeah, you, you, you've had a vendetta. Do it again. That or, and you probably you, wouldn't hesitate to do it again. That is a close-up crime. And yeah. it, And this person must yeah. have at least raped before. If, because that's usually oh, yeah. an escalation to murder. Absolutely. This person is not a good person. And this person, yeah, what he did no. to my mother, could do it to someone else's mother or someone else's daughter or someone else's That's sister. right. That's right. And Or someone else's grandmother. Yeah, or anybody. And this person, you know, be caught and put away. We catch people mm-hmm. 50 years later. Yeah. You know, there's no reason because that somebody came forward. Because somebody came <laughs> forward. That's right. And I know that there is somebody out there who knows yep. who this person is. And, I want to ask you. Know, you just, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Someone does. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to ask you one more thing before we go. Can you tell us a little bit about true allele? I know alleles are markers on the DNA. I know that. But what is true allele? I can't really answer that. That's a little outside of my scope. Um, but what that particular company was going to do, uh, cybergenetics, um, what this, what the way it was explained to me is they would take the DNA and they would put it into a system. And this system would sit there and it would, it would extract everybody's DNA. So, you know, you live with your mother. So right. you and your mother, your your DNA is all over your mother's things. Your mother's DNA is all over your things. Okay? Right. That's just, you know, you and I, you touch a door handle, you're going to leave your DNA. I'm going to come behind. I'm going to touch that door, door handle, and I'm I'm going to have a little bit of your DNA on me. So my mother and I live right. together. Low card. So our DNA. Right. So my mother and I live together. So, you know, my DNA could be on her. Her DNA would have been on me. So what this system would have done is it would have pulled out mom's DNA, and it would have separated mom's DNA from the guy that killed her DNA. Right. Um, obviously, my DNA my DNA wouldn't be in her vagina, so my DNA shouldn't be there. But it would separate her DNA from his DNA, and then they would put this into the system. And she said, you know, it could sit there and search for a month or six months or whatever, and it would just pull out little pieces of, of DNA. And that's kind of how it was explained to me. Uh, okay. That stuff kind of goes over, I, that stuff kind of yeah. goes over my head. I mean, I understand no, I, I think I, the, yeah. the basic science of it, but it would be it would be a better way of extracting his DNA and being able to pinpoint right. just his DNA. Right. I've, I've actually heard of... I didn't know what it was called, but I've heard of where there was a time when if you have 
mixed DNA, like a mixture of different mm-hmm. people's blood or a mixture of, in this case, different people's private fluids. Yeah. To put it kindly. Well, yeah. And they have to separate out the two people's DNA. Yeah. Um, I've heard that it, you can do that now, but you yeah. couldn't do that before. And then you'd have a mixed bag and a mess because you couldn't right. figure out who's with who's. Right, and cybergenetics is currently being used in South Carolina. It's being used in Columbia, South Carolina, which Columbia is like 30, 40 minutes from Macon. So this is evidence-based. It's being used, you know, in the next county. <laughs> and yeah. why why Aiken won't allow, you know, why Aiken won't use it is beyond me. The other thing was the MVAC system. Um, that was, uh, there was a forensic um investigator in Utah that was actually going to, you know, she could take anything. She could take a piece of clothing or a roller or anything. And just think of it like a vacuum cleaner. You know, you put a filter in there, you put the the item inside the, the vacuum cleaner, and it pulls everything off of that item. Well, we know he touched her curlers because some of her curlers were um, out of her hair. You know, it was like he took her head and... Um, you know, and he touched her clothes. The ground. Yeah, he touched he her touched clothes. clothes. We know he touched the underwear, the shoes, the curlers, the glasses. We, well, maybe not the glasses, but we know he touched the these pants. items because he took. Yeah, the pants because yeah. he took them off of her. So you take a piece of right. that clothing and you put it in the impact system and you extract that DNA or the fibers and then you test it. And you know, I asked her. I, I actually asked the solicitor. I said, "Is this a financial issue?" And he said, "No, we got plenty of money." And I actually asked Francine how much this would cost because I would fund it. But the sheriff refuses to allow anything to leave the his chain of custody, which he won't allow it to leave him or sled. So wow. I can't understand that. I can't. I mean, I've got two people who are willing to test, and all they needed was a sample. That's and it. You, you said, yeah, you said that the fingernails didn't yield anything for the FBI. That's what I was told. Um, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for doing this, so much for sharing this cool, relatively new technology with everyone for being the pit bull for your mother that she needs. And, and I think... All victim families yeah. who are banging their heads against the wall can relate. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, there, and I'm not the only person out there that's dealing with the Sheriff's Department that's stonewalling them. You know, I investigated the FBI. The FBI actually has a um, a lab that they will – it's for uh, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry, I just drew a blank. Um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Violent cold case, cold cases, violent crimes, and they will actually do, you know, take all the evidence and they will actually test it. And I even tried to get Sheriff Sellers, excuse me, not Sheriff Sellers, Sheriff Hunt. Sheriff Sellers was the original sheriff and he's deceased. Sheriff Hunt is the current sheriff. And I actually told told him about this. I took all the information to him and he said no. He said, (laughs) and I quote, I will not allow anything to leave my chain of command. My chain of custody, and I said, "Well, I don't understand that. The FBI is federal, the federal government, 
And they were actually there when my mother died. There was a profiler present, and he actually profiled the individual um, that murdered my mother. Yes, so I, I read that. I he was there under- when you you were interviewed. He was. I don't remember anything about him. Uh, there were a lot of people in that room when I was interviewed. But, you know, I just, I can't, I can't fathom why you, okay, I can understand not wanting to send stuff to the Sorenson lab. But I just don't get it. And that, and that only tells he, me one thing. Yeah. They, they know something exactly. and they're covering it up. Mm-hmm. They're, covering their, because, they're covering their butts is what they're doing because they know they botch it. You're right. C-Y-A. Um, yeah. And folks, you may not know this. Matter of fact, I know you don't. The one of the detectives that was originally on the case actually works in the town in Utah where the lady wanted to do the test. Yeah, he actually referred me to her. So what the heck is the problem, folks? Well, he was actually told to stand down and stop talking to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, again, I want, I want to thank you. You're an inspiration to victims' families everywhere. You are amazing. Well, thank you. I and appreciate I, it. And you're amazing for doing this because it, thank you. And without I you, Lexi, we don't get our we don't get our voices out there. That's my goal. <laughs> you know, I started doing this when a little girl. Um, I started doing this because a little girl went missing. Um, when I was 11 years old, she was nine years old. Changes mm. your perspective of yeah. safety. It does. And so, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I, I appreciate you doing this you for, are very for welcome. families. It means a lot to us. Thank you. And that, and that means a lot to me. Um, have a great evening. I want everybody to have a great evening. God bless you. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to say good night. All right. Thank you. Good night. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.